she is clearly going to be slotted into the heavy metal sisters at some point in time. Uh, that is my guess. Just based on her look and based on the gimmick that they gave her, she's a heavy metal sister in the making. And whatever, and what helps sell that is the fact that Rebel was there at ringside. I mean, not Rebel. Not Rebel. Rewind that. Fury. Fury was there at ringside doing commentary for a match that she has nothing to do with. So, I mean, make of that what you will. She had no storyline purpose or, or reason whatsoever to be at ringside doing commentary for this match, for this person, other than I just feel like it. I told you. What did I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Because I told you. Mm-hmm. And when did I tell you? A long time ago. And what did I say will happen when I told you? Exactly what just happened. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! What did I tell you? I told you so. That's exactly why that's there at the beginning of the show. How are you doing, ladies and gentlemen? This is Mr. Green, and you are listening to the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast. And as you heard at the beginning, what did I tell you? Didn't I tell you I exactly what I said? Yeah, because we knew it was coming. Rebel Haze and Fury. Yeah. Matter of time. Uh, not nothing shocking about that at all, but we'll get to the wow review as we get to the wow reviews. First, we got to go through a couple other things and then we'll start uh, going match by match as we tend to do and then give the old editorial on the happenings within wow and this universe. Thank you for tuning in, by the way. So let's start with uh. I guess a little bit of wrestling news. If um, There's not a lot of uh, big news that's going on. Piper Niven is hurt internally. It is assumed that she might have broken her hand. Uh, you know, I know that's... Uh, we haven't seen her on TV, on WWE TV in a while. So I don't think that is any sort of major thing that people are surprised about, but... It is what it is. Julia is due to exit stardom reportedly at the end of March. We have, uh, well, some of us have heard that, you know, she was getting ready to walk, not walk out. It's not like she quit, but uh, leave the promotion and test the waters elsewhere as she looks to uh, make her mark. Potentially in the United States, there has been rumor as to where she may land. Of course, it would not be surprising at all if Tony Khan decides to go and throw a bunch of money at her to, to, to veer her away from WWE. Uh, but 
at this particular stage, I think WWE will probably be the best place for her to go. That is just my opinion. I'm not saying that's where she's going, but it would be uh, a better landing spot. I, I've begun to lose faith in AEW and this women's division. It's just a bunch of random people. And anyone that's gone in there, they just kind of slowly die off. No matter how much praise they had walking into it, they just become another face in the crowd. Uh, but Julia is, is a name that for the hardcore wrestling fans that exist in the WWE universe, it'd probably be a, uh, a good fit. She will be a better fit, in my opinion, going to NXT and then building her name for this audience there. She probably will be able to have the type of matches that she's had. She'll probably be able to, to uh, entertain the same audience that she's been in front of. You get where I'm going here. Uh, NXT is the closest thing that the WWE owns to that uh, that type of wrestling fan base. Uh, she, they have listed her accomplishments in stardom in New Japan, which includes Artist of Stardom Champion twice, Guard of Stardom Champion, Wonder of Stardom Champion, World of Stardom Champion, uh, New Japan Strong Women's Champion, Cinderella Tournament winner, 2000 Five Star, uh, GP 2002. So, yeah, I mean, she's. It's one of those things of what else can you do? What else can you do? You, you've accomplished essentially everything that you could accomplish within that company. So, where else can you go? What else can you do within that? Sometimes you just got to leave and test the waters elsewhere. I mean, I'm sure that there's probably some other angles and storylines or perhaps another championship that she can win. But if you are looking to test yourself and jump to the next level, a departure may be uh, in order. So good luck to her. Um, There is a question. This is not really news per se, but th there is a question that I'd like to relate and that question is this because primarily when I do this podcast the bulk of the podcast not all but the bulk of the podcast comes down to wow women of wrestling and, and a review of this program sometimes it's a good program sometimes it's not uh, it, it is a national product here in the United States so you know you would tend to believe that it kind of would be on the purview of most wrestling fans but I'm starting to get the impression that a lot of I mean I, I knew there wasn't a lot of the hardcore hardcores that that look at that but I'm starting to get the impression that it may not even register with the wrestling fan in that regard at all and if it doesn't register with them, it's probably not going to, definitely not going to register with the people that are WWE centric. The reason I asked this question was because what has come out recently, the 2023 Wrestling Observer Awards. Now, if you are um, familiar with the awards, first off, let's be clear and say that the awards that are given are reader based. It's not the people that put it together. Most specifically, it's not a, a, a Meltzer. These are reader-based awards. This is what the, the audience 
votes on. And they have a lot of different award categories. And I will go through a couple of them just to give you an idea. The Luthes Ric Flair Award, which is the uh, wrestler of the year. Mixed Martial Arts, Most Valuable, Most Outstanding Wrestler, Most Outstanding Fighter of the Year, Tag Team of the Year, Best on Interviews, Promotion of the Year, Best Weekly TV Show, a Pro Wrestling Match of the Year, MMA Fight of the Year, United States MVP, Japan MVP, Mexico MVP, Europe MVP, Hodge Award, Non-Heavyweight MVP, Women's Wrestling MVP, Women's MMA MVP, Feud of the Year. Best Box Office Draw MMA, Best Box Office Pro Wrestling, Most Improved, Most Charismatic, Brian Danielson, Best Technical Wrestler Award, the Bruiser Brody Memorial Award, which is the best brawler, uh, Best Flying Wrestler, I could, they probably should have phrased that differently, but anyway, uh, Most Overrated, Most Underrated, Rookie of the Year, Best Non-Wrestler, Best Television Announcer, Worst Television Announcer, Best Major Wrestling Show Worst major wrestling show, um, best wrestling maneuver, most disgusting promotional tactic, worst television show, worst match of the year, worst feud of the year, worst promotion of the year, best booker, promotion, I mean promoter of the year, excuse me, best gimmick, worst gimmick, pro wrestling book, or best pro wrestling book, sorry. And best pro wrestling documentary. Those are the categories as they are listed in front of me right now. And you know that has been going on for a long time. And they, generally speaking, cover a lot of ground when they do these awards. They cover obviously the WWE and AEW. Uh, you get some uh, nominations from other promotions, including uh, Impact. Whoops! I keep. I'm so used to saying Impact. I'm trying to get out of the half. TNA. Um, MLW may get mentioned in there sometimes. Stardom has been mentioned in that. Power Slap. Which I don't even know how that's in the running. Power Slap has been mentioned in there. The one promotion that I've not seen in any scope, good or bad, is WoW. It's not even regarded by the wrestling fans that vote on this. It's not nominated one way or the other. And this just makes me think. I was like, how much into the wrestling sphere does WoW actually penetrate? How many, you know, fans out there who tune in to watch a wrestling program? Wherever it may be, whatever promotion it may be, either know of WoW's existence or care. Certainly, there are several that do. If you go on their social media platforms, you'll you know you'll see the um, <clears throat> the dedicated followers of WoW, and you know that we cannot discount that they do have their. Their fans and they're very dedicated. They're they're probably as high strung and loyal to WoW as AEW's dedicated fan base is. The difference there is that they're not as big. AEW's fan base, or at least the people that viewed ratings wise, has been dwindling down, but is is still it still has a core audience 
that will tune into that show regardless. And it will reflect in things like this. If there is anything that I would expect while to at least have maybe gotten into the, the running as, as far as an award is concerned or at least a mention, I don't expect them to win. I'm sorry if there's anybody that's from Wild that's listening to this right now. No, I, 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 I'm sorry to say it. I do not expect Wild to win any of it. And that's just the truth because they, they don't have that kind of uh, product or reach. But what I would think might happen is some sort of honorable mention or, you know, maybe their name might be in the running. I mean, women wrestling MVP, that's Rhea Ripley. Julia is number two. Now think about that. Stardom. Somebody who represented stardom is ranked over or at least mentioned in the list Whereas no one from WoW is at all. Which is what made me think about this begin with. Like Stardom didn't even have a TV show here. If you're gonna watch it, you're gonna, you know, either subscribe or catch a couple of matches on YouTube or something like that. But Stardom does not have a presence in the United States. WoW does. Not only do they have a presence, they have a stronger presence than uh TNA. And I'll get to that in a moment because there's another topic that I got to address before we go into the review. But to have a representative of a promotion that is not even in the country that you broadcast in to be number two for women's wrestling MVP is, in my view, is incredible. And, I mean, yeah, Rhea Ripley took the award by, you know, I guess a good 200-something votes. I'm looking, I'm just going off the uh, top of my head right now. Uh, Less than 200. But anyway, 359 for her, 162 for Julia. Athena's in third with 114. The point being is that it's not even in the running. (laughs) Like, Like no one in WoW is even in the running. Because generally speaking, I know what the response would have been. It would have been like, well, you know, if the fans, they only vote for WWE and AEW, and, you know, you can't expect why to be on there. But you have stardom and power slap. Okay, power slap. That's not even a wrestling promotion, and that's listed. How is it that WoW has no presence within the pro wrestling community at all. I mean, they are wrestlers, and they do work in a wrestling ring. Granted, there are a lot of them in there that are, a nice way to say it, brand new. (laughs) There are a lot of them in there that are brand new, and maybe that works against them. But how is it that being a a product that's on TV here doesn't qualify you for anything? They barely, I mean, when I look for 
you know, other people that might have reviewed the show, they barely have any re- coverage at all. And WoW doesn't really do anything to endear themselves to that audience. The only time I've ever seen WoW bother with the pro wrestling fan audience is when they were on hiatus and I'll just put this disclaimer in front of my statement. In my opinion, they went to WrestleCade because at that time they needed WrestleCade. They needed to put themselves in front of wrestling fans. Once that need went away, I don't think they've been back. It might have been two times they went, maybe, if I'm remembering it correctly. And very likely that if, depending on who it was that was representing them at the time, which I think it was at one point the Beast and uh, Faith, the Lioness, if I'm remembering the correct match, either that it was the Beast and Steffi Slays. That probably wasn't the environment for them to have a five-minute match. Unless they were just a buffer for somebody else. But the point being here is that it appears to me as if not only are they kind of a non-issue with a lot of the wrestling fan bases out there, on the other side of the coin, it doesn't feel like WoW makes any effort to try to get to that that crowd anyway they don't do Russell Cade anymore they do this San Diego Comic Cons like we, they they can get a good audience for TV with that but I honestly wonder how many of those people that go there bought a ticket for the benefit of hey wow is going to be there so I have to go you know what I'm saying are they that big of a draw I mean, only WoW will know or, or unless they start releasing information, which I doubt they're going to do because I believe this they're privately held. So that's probably not going to happen. But, I mean, is, is it better to be regarded as good and or bad or not be regarded at all? Who knows? Anyhow, The Beast has an interview that is up and available for you to read if you decide to uh, check her out and read her comments. Uh, This is on TV Insider. Go to tvinsider.com. And the title of the article is Wild Women of Wrestling, The Beast Talks Representation, Jeannie Buss, and What's Next. Now, I'm not going to go through the entirety of this uh, article or the interview, I should say. But I, I will address a few things that were there. So let me, let's pull up a couple of things. By the way, this is written by a gentleman by the name of Scott Fishman. And and his apparent sit-down interview, he asked her a couple of questions, going through WOW, I guess what she feels about WOW, why she's uh, not attempted to go elsewhere or wrestle elsewhere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, let me find something here that would be good to relate. We will start with this. 
How do you take being entrusted to represent the brand, to be their franchise player? Now, I will give you know credit where it's due. I do believe that the Beast does sit essentially as their franchise player. Um, I don't know if they utilize that all that much, besides the fact that she's you know she has a impressive look. But I don't know if they really utilize her as a franchise player per se. Everybody on that show, to me, regardless of what they do, what championships they have, and this, that, and the other, um, and uh, again, excluding the ones that get jobbed out week in and week out, everybody else, you know, pretty much feels the same. And I, I mean, I don't mean in terms of personality or presentation. I just mean that no one person there. Feels more important, important, good grief. Uh, No one person there feels more important than the next. The comparative there would be if you were to look up and down the WWE right now, and if say you removed Cody Rhodes, you probably would feel the impact of that. If they removed Roman Reigns or at this point, Drew McIntyre or uh, who else am I missing here? L.A. Knight or any of the people that's that's been regarded as their top players. I mean, CM Punk, he came back and he got hurt and, you know, now he's gone. And there's, there's a visible hole that affected plans. He was going to WrestleMania very likely against Seth Rollins for the World's Championship. Now that's you feel it. You know, you feel the brunt of that. I don't know if there's anyone in WoW that makes me feel that they are that big of a franchise player. Now, a franchise player in terms of her look and how they like to illustrate her, but other than that, I don't, you know, I don't see it. However, her answer was, <clears throat> I'm proud of that. It feels scary, but good. Sometimes the moves you make, you don't realize people are watching you. That something you do is going to help spark something in someone else. To encourage someone else, there's a ripple effect. Maybe I'll spark something in a young girl to become bigger and better. Then she does it for another generation. That is what we need now. I don't think we have enough role models. We don't have enough people being highlighted that represent the good we need around the world. Uh, I don't know if that really answered the question necessarily, but okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's about as close as as it could be. Um, he goes on, Mr. Fishman, to ask uh, a couple other questions, of course. Um, let me scroll down a little bit here. All right. Here's one. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with this one either, but, you know, let me let's go into this question. He asks, I feel like with WOW, Women of Wrestling, you're the special attraction. We don't see you every week, but when you do, it appears, when you do appear, it's impactful. All right, so I'm going to stop there. You don't see every, you, you don't see 80% of the, the roster on WOW every week. So I don't know if that's centric to her. You know, that... that it it just it doesn't seem like this, okay we're gonna keep the beast out specifically because she's our special attraction and then we'll just bring her back when it means something. It just feels like that's just the rotation. 
So I don't know if I agree with him there that she's a special attraction rather than this is the taping schedule and this is when I'm due to appear. But her answer is, I never saw it that way. I'm so excited when I get in the ring. That's all I focus on. I just keep my head down, stay laser focused, and it's go time. Okay, I think they wrote this wrong. It's written is go town. I'm pretty sure it meant it's go time. But but hey, look, you can go and and read behind me if you want to. But uh, anyway, next thing. I, I never think about what goes on behind the scenes. That goes above my pay grade. Just tell me who I'm going to beat up, and that's all I'm about. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, having a safe environment for women. Of course, she's, you know, talking about that. The questions that I feel that were interesting were things like this. Here you go. So next question. We aren't seeing you wrestle elsewhere. What is the reason for not taking bookings outside of WOW Women Wrestling and their tapings? Her answer. At the end of the day, I want to be the best of the best. And to be the best, you have to beat the best of the best. I see that place being wow. I'm happy where I am. Things are going great there. I have a title to win back first and foremost. Let's not lose sight of the prize here. I was never beaten. I was a fighting champion, and at the time, I couldn't fight. Even though it hurts deeply, it's time to pick up what's mine. Well, I guess she could say that because, officially speaking, Tessa Blanchard never won the championship back. Now, some of you may be asking me, like, what? Well, Tessa Blanchard, what's that got to do with anything? Okay, so there is an unaired season of WOW, which they reference when it's convenient. When Jesse Jones was a heel at the beginning before she went babyface inexplicably. Well, I mean, I guess they did explain it since she was defending America. <clears throat> but um, at that time in the unaired season when she was still a heel, she was paired off with the Dixie Darlings. And they were basically creating a free bird type thing where once they started tagging together, any two of the three could could be utilized Of course, with the Darlings being twins, another pair of twins, of course, with them being twins, they were able to swap in and out during the match, which is how they won the titles in the first place. They did reference that on WoW, but in the same breath, you had uh, the excommunicated Tessa Blanchard defeat the Beast, although by, you know, underhanded means, she did defeat her and she won the WoW Championship. Then they went on hiatus. And then Tessa Blanchard had her issues and, you know, she never went back. Even though Wild leaned into that, you know, full board, that was their fault. That was their problem. They did that. They chose to lean into, well, Tessa Blanchard. They made a T-shirt that had nuclear heat on it. So they knew what they were getting. But anyway, she wins the championship. She defeated the Beast and that, title change was never acknowledged the beast just came back as the champion and it was never explained it just you know it just was i didn't agree with that decision because I like if you're going to release the footage to where you actually can see this person lose then you know why not why wouldn't you acknowledge it 
you can at least say that you know we had to strip Tessa Blanchard of the championship for you know whatever reasons, and we handed it back to her because she cheated. I mean, they could have made up any number of things. But I, I cannot get on her. She clearly is happy with being at WOW. Now, I don't believe that she's been in any other wrestling promotion to be able to make a comparative uh, statement about that. But she's happy there. And WOW clearly at this point treats her well. So it's probably not anything that she wants to do. She doesn't, doesn't appear like she wants to go anywhere else or, want, or attempt to wrestle elsewhere. The three or four times a year that she does it is seemingly fine for her. And I guess as long as she's living there and it's easy to get to and they're paying her and, you know, and she doesn't want to venture out into any other independence, then, you know, what, what can we say? Is this, you know, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the entirety of that statement, but what else is she supposed to say? She's, she wants to be the best. And in her view, and she sees that place being wild. I cannot argue that. She said, I see that place being wild. She didn't say it was necessarily, but in her opinion, and she's entitled to that. Uh, here is where I feel like there's a little bit of a you know, discrepancy in his reporting or his interview or maybe how he phrased the question. The question while Women of Wrestling is doing well in the ratings, where the show is often beating other companies like AEW and TNA, yet it might get highlighted as much. Does that put a chip on your shoulder? I don't know how they're writing this. Is he trying to say, yet yeah, it might not get as highlighted as much? I mean, because that doesn't make sense. Again, if you want to see if I'm reading this right, you can go find the article. But that's how it's, that's how it's written. It, that just comes off weird. Uh, <clears throat> all right, but anyway, so let's address that. Let's assume that the statement was, yet it might not get as highlighted as much. I, I don't think that he framed this question properly. While doing well in the ratings might be a matter of opinion. Because I, I don't see them as doing great in the ratings. I get the ratings every month. And as those who have listened here will, can see, or you can go through the uh, older episodes, there are ratings episodes that I put out there. And, and the highest that Wives gotten, and I, I will give his credit, it was just underneath 500,000 views viewers somewhere uh, what was it like 441,000 something like that that happened in August they haven't touched that since then it's been on a decline not only has it been on a decline it's kind of settled itself into just underneath a quarter of a million viewers overall week to week sometimes it bumps up sometimes it bumps down but generally speaking about 24 Four, twenty, yeah, about 240,000, 245,000 viewers on the average. Like I said, sometimes that'll trend up, sometimes that'll trend down, but that is basically where they hover. The reason I say that this isn't framed right is like when he says 
it does well in the ratings. That's one thing. But it's often beating companies like AEW and TNA. That is untrue. One, now he could say that, hey, WoW is comparable to ratings to Collision. I can see that. Because Collision has been on a downslide since then, since Punk left. I can, uh, I couldn't begin to say that they compared to Rampage. And certainly not compared to Dynamite. Dynamite walks into their show close to a million viewers once a week. They might not keep them, but they walk into pretty close to a million viewers once a week. Wow has never seen a million viewers. So I don't know where he's getting his idea that they're often beating companies like AEW. Two out of the three shows beat Wow's ratings easily. Collision, debatable. Now, as far as TNA is concerned, does Wild or has Wild beaten them in the ratings? Yes, they have. But I also have said before there is a qualifier on that. The qualifier being that that is not an apples-to-apples comparison. Wild is on syndicated broadcast television. Meaning, they have more access to homes than TNA does currently. Not the entirety of TNA's existence, but does currently. Access TV, although has been a good partner for them and has provided them a home and has given them a steady place to provide their content. Wow doesn't have to compete with the or competition is not what I'm trying to get to here, but Wow doesn't have to worry about the same issues of reach that TNA does. They I mean they're they're accessible. All you need is an antenna. That's it. That's that's all that's required of you if you want to see WoW at any given, you know, whenever it's broadcasting. You, you get a broadcast antenna and you, you tune into the show and that's that. It's not even required for you to have internet. Whereas with Access TV, you need to have that package. And keep in mind, every cable company does not carry that. You know, you, you do get those those uh, cable outlets because there are smaller cable providers across the country <clears throat> that may not carry access, which by proxy means that they may not carry TNA wrestling. So whereas they do win in terms of Ratings with with uh, TNA. I, I stand on it is not an apples to apples comparison. It's hard to just say, oh well, you know they just beat them week in and week out. It's an easier thing to make the comparison from, say, in uh, AEW versus a WWE because they both have 
national cable outlets that they can broadcast on that give them or provide, you know, their 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 platform to the public. TNA does not, at least not to that level. Now, the other side of that, just to, you know, talk TNA up for a, a, a moment, they pretty much have to put their show on two other platforms just to kind of balance that out. They put it on YouTube, and, of course, they have it on TNA+. Plus. Now, we have no idea how many people watch that thing on TNA+. Plus. Those are unreleased numbers, at least as far as I've found. So I don't know if, if the viewership changes or if there's a big difference between that. But it, it is a vast difference between how they reach their audiences. So whereas I can appreciate him as an interviewer making her feel better, <laughs> and, and so, hey, you guys do this, you guys do that. I don't know if that is an, a, the appropriate way to phrase that. I don't see them as often beating either of those companies. But the answer that she provided, and remember, the question is, while it's doing well in the ratings, where the show's often beating other companies like AEW, TNA, it might, get, it might not get as highlight as much. I'm adding to not. But does that put a chip on your shoulder? Her answer, not a chip on your shoulder per se, but we do this because we're passionate. The hope is for young girls, young women, and young people to see us and become inspired. Of course, you want more exposure, but we're going to keep doing what we do. And at, at the end of the day, we want to keep going out there and putting on great shows. Hopefully, Everyone will catch up to what we already know. The next question he had that I I wanted to, <laughs> she probably isn't that person to answer it, but I, I did appreciate the question. How close are we to a wild woman wrestling touring or and a return to pay-per-view? How is he writing this? Okay. How close are we to a wild woman wrestling touring and a return to pay-per-view? I guess he should have said tour. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is, uh, grammatically, it's, it's a little off. Um, her answer is, I would hope it's coming sooner than later. It's my hope and dream that Wild gets to have a global footprint. My hope is to take that into live shows and continue to go global. More people deserve to see this live. Seeing this show live could be life-changing for some people. Uh, as you hear me reading these answers, I'm pretty sure you're getting a theme here with her response. It is all inspirational. It's all we're, we're, we're trying to do this for everybody else. It's all, you know, this is be life changing for someone. This is all, you know, is everything here is primarily like we're, we're, we're here to uplift and make sure that everybody's good and so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah. Um, but he does go on to ask, um, what's something about the beast that would surprise people? Do you see yourself venturing outside of the ring and the other realms of entertainment? Uh, what's your hope for wild wrestling going forward in 2024, which was their final question or the, or the article again, I would suggest if you want to read into this, you go to tvinsider.com and just, or, or just write, 
Beast interview, tvinsider.com. It should, it should come up. But I will give the last uh, answer that she got. Where is your hope for WOW Women of Wrestling in 2024? Her answer, I just want to see WOW keep growing because it's not like any other wrestling show. You can't compare it to any other promotion. What we bring to the table and offer is something different. I truly believe in the message WOW is trying to spread. Integrity, women's strength, and power. And love to see that spread more. It's needed in the time right now. So everything that has been responded to there is, is pretty much a message of inspiration. And this is what WOW is doing. And we, we, we're trying to help young ladies and so on and so forth. Nothing wrong with that. I don't know if that's the answer that I would want as the owner. I mean, because that's going to happen. All wrestling promotions will inspire somebody. I mean, good, bad, or indifferent. All wrestling promotions that have been around for any length of time will inspire somebody. Whether that be inspiring them to stand up for themselves, whether that be, hey, I can be athletic too, or, you know, I hope I can talk on a mic like that person, or, you know, the ultimate, I guess, as far as that's concerned, is that I want to be a wrestler because that person's a wrestler and I can do it too. So all of them do that. It's good that she, you know, I guess they're making a conscious effort of it, but I don't know if that should be the primary focus opposed to, you know, let, let's try to make this the, the best wrestling promotion that we can make it. But, you know, I'm sure they will do whatever it is that WoW does. And they will and they will continue to try to inspire. Now as far as the live tour and the, the pay-per-view, I I would be interested to see if they can actually pull it off. That's probably the only answer that I could give towards that. I, it would be interesting to see if they can actually pull it off. Like I said, I don't think that she's the right person for him to ask for that. I'm sure that was just him wanting to, like, let me get your opinion about it. <clears throat> and touring would be great for her, as it would be with all the wild girls. A pay-per-view would be great for them. And I, I said that they should at least test the waters on that. Now, I will uh, qualify me saying them they should test the waters. They should do that in the most inexpensive way that they can afford to do it. I don't think they should just go throwing money at doing a pay-per-view. I personally, in terms of the in-ring work, I don't think they're ready for that. Nor do I think that they're ready for it in terms of building interest in a match. And the last thing that they need to do is repeat what happened to WoW 20 plus years ago. Wow Unleashed was the name of the pay-per-view. And the numbers on that pay-per-view are atrocious. Because nobody wanted to see it. More importantly, nobody wanted to pay up towards $40. Or it might have been less. I can't remember. It's been so long. Let's just say it was 25 or 20 bucks. The point being is that no one wanted to pay for it. 
there was nothing that happened on that show that was strong enough. And it went to solidify a old wrestling adage. At some time, at some point, the bell has the ring. Like you can disguise that on TV. And they did. You could disguise a lot on television. But at some point, that bell has to ring. And at the end of the day, if they cannot deliver the goods, bell to bell, or at least even get people in hindsight interested in the match, then it's not going to work. That pay-per-view that took place all those years ago, Wow Unleashed, was with the exception of maybe one or two matches. It was not a good pay-per-view. For those reasons, because 90% of the people there were incapable of having a match, which is why the bulk of them are like five minutes or less. Some are like just three. And if, if I had to pay to watch it, I would be upset. So if I were going to do it now, if I were going to attempt a wild pay-per-view today, for my first edict would be some of them are going to have to sit on the bench. This idea that everybody needs to work the pay-per-view, that's out the window. Because that's what he tried to do the last time. Let's just put everybody on the pay-per-view. That is, no. We're not going to waste that kind of money. We're not going to waste that kind of time. That would be the first edict. Some of you are going to have to sit this one out. The Katrina Jinxes, the Goldie Collins, the Steffi Slays, anybody that got hired and trained specifically through WoW, you're sitting this one out. And then I will build around everybody that's there that actually can work or actually has some level of experience outside of that company. But I digress. The point being here is that if you're if they're going to try it, I mean, there's different options today. Uh, it used to be fight. I think it's Triller TV now. Or, or, or stream it live on YouTube, something. Something where it's economical to attempt. The problem with them trying to do that, which is what goes against her statement, like, well, I'd like to do it, is that they would have to change their shooting schedule around to try to accommodate that. Or they would have to have such a well-mapped-out shooting schedule leading into and out of the pay-per-view because of the way that they shoot the shows. They, they marathon tape over a weekend. So in order to get that, they would have to know precisely what they're doing, how they're going to do it, what matches we're going to have at the pay-per-view that, we're, that we need to lean into, and get it to a point where the taping schedule that we have over these four days will actually make sense going to this pay-per-view and then make sense coming out of the pay-per-view. And, I mean, that, that's, that's not an easy task. Would I attempt it at some point? Probably. But it would it would take me, and I'm only speaking for me, it would take me having to get past taping number one, knowing that I'm going into taping number two of the year, attempting a pay-per-view another quarter down. Like it, it this is almost like a year worth of planning for me to for me to attempt it under the circumstances that WoW is in right now. But they should, but yeah, that, I think they should have at least one live event that they should try just to, just to sample it, just to, just to test the waters and see if it works. 
and see what kind of interest they have. Because it's one thing for them to be on free TV. It's another for them to ask people to pay across the country. And that will answer the beast's question about whether they should be live touring or whether they should be doing pay-per-view. In fact, that would answer Jeannie Buss's question on whether they should be doing live touring or pay-per-view. And, you know, but again, I don't know what the budget is for WoW, so, you know, whatever. Uh, one other small note, which is not really uh, women's wrestling related necessarily. I just read this earlier and I thought I'd bring it up that uh, the former polarizing wrestling writer, Vince Russo, unfortunately has unveiled... Uh, his diagnosis that he is uh, now diabetic. And I know there's people out there who either love and some hate Vince Russo. I don't really feel one way or the other about him. But regardless of what you think about his creative and stuff like that, it's it's a little disappointing to hear that that's uh, happened. I have seen what diabetes can do to a human body firsthand. My former father-in-law had that, and it just it ravaged his body. Especially, I mean, once it gets rolling, it's, it's kind of hard to get under control. It's, it is not a death sentence for Vince Russo. Let me just start with that. I mean, because you can get that under control. But I would hope that he does at some point. Uh, since he's just being diagnosed, I'm pretty sure he's probably talked to some dietitian or somebody by by now because all of that's going to have to change. But uh, <clears throat> I, I just wanted to say to say that I wish him well, even though I don't know the guy. I mean, he's part of the wrestling world. I did see his stuff, you know, years ago, and whether I agree with it or not. He, he has contributed quite a bit, and I hope that he can get through it because, again, uh, it can ravage the body very badly. I mean, poor eyesight, teeth falling out, multiple amputee. This is what I saw, so I, I wish him well. So now that we've gone through the bulk of that, let's go into the show itself, which is Wow. Number 76, seasonally speaking, 224, the air date, February 24th, the title of the show, Be Careful What You Sow, which also reminds me, I did post this on the YouTube uh, community page, you can answer it there if you uh, have the time, but I was at home watching this one, this particular episode, I wasn't at work this time, anybody, if you listen to me for a while, I'd tell you all the time i monitored this on the job but um i was at home this weekend when it was airing and i do not get the chance to see this outside of a work environment more normally and for the first time i noticed it's like it's it's a small thing but it's just kind of odd on the channel guy it does not list wow it lists the episode name, but it doesn't list WOW. It doesn't say WOW Women of Wrestling at 10 or 11 or you know whatever the case may be. It just says 
Be careful what you sow. And if you highlight it, then you can find out that it's wild. But if you don't do that, it just looks like it's, I don't know, a movie or, or a television show called Be Careful What You Sow. I, does WoW know that this is happening? Is, is this happening on your TV? That would be the better question. Is it just me? <laughs> because if it's just on my end or if it's just within this area, then you know there's no big problem there. If this is happening across the board and there's other people that uh, go to their channel guides and it just says the title of the, sh- of the episode, that... Although not a major thing, it could be a minor problem. Because you do have to account for that. Some people are going to just turn on the guide and scan through it. And if they don't see it, they'll just move on. It would be who of them to address the problem. I'm sure there's going to be somebody like, ah, that's not that big of a deal. Well, look, this is your show. And even if it is a small issue like that, get the issue corrected. I would not be producing a show, turn that show in, and the only thing that is listed for it in the guide is the name of the episode and not indicate what the show is unless they highlight that show. And then when they do that, yeah, give you a channel description, doesn't even have the updated logo. I feel... All of those things should be corrected. All of them. But this goes back to where I say that I don't know if this is anything that is quality checked overall. And I don't know if this is something that gets looked at or micromanaged by, say, uh, a genie bus. Because if it were, I would imagine that she would have said something like, hey, can you fix this? And I'm sure she has a direct line to whoever it is that can make that happen. And how much effort would it take? It would be inconvenient, sure, for whoever's on the end that's trying to do it. But they need to get the, the data, the metadata going into those channel guides correct. And if you're going to go through the effort of paying someone, I mean, it's not like it's an intricate logo, but the neon logo that WoW has, if you're going to go through the effort of rebranding, which is what they said they were doing when they reintroduced that logo, then go all the way. Make sure that things like that actually bear your logo so people will get familiar with it. And they'll understand. Sure, they'll understand that they just walk by and they see the other one. But again, uniformity accounts for a lot. Small things matter. But that's just a, you know a TV thing <laughs> that uh, bothers me. It probably doesn't bother them. So anyhow, the show starts off. With David McClain talking about history and made of the three-time tag team champions, Miami Sweet Heat, I guess congratulations are in order for them. If I hadn't said it the previous week, even though I did not care for, nor did I want to see the match. The Fabulous Four opened up the show. They're carrying the toilet paper contract. Ha, ha, ha. 
Lana Starr comes out yelling at David McClain again, and David engages in a debate with Lana and her crew. This is happening more and more frequently, where they get into the ring, they face the commentating table, and by proxy, the hard cam, and then they start talking, David McClain, you're doing this and that and the other. Why are they constantly getting it into it with David McLean? He's not a wrestler. He doesn't need to be gotten into it with it. And his role seems to shift. He talked about a fluid tournament. If anything's fluid, there is his responsibilities. Sometimes I'm authority, sometimes I'm not, sometimes I care, sometimes I don't. But they don't need to be getting into this argument with David McClain all the time. If he, and, and I go back to what I said with him several times over several weeks. If he's going to insist on being on TV, which clearly he does, it would make more sense for him to minimize some of his uh, positions. He cannot be, well, he can because it's his show, but I'll say he shouldn't be both the lead announcer and the general manager and the lead interviewer and, you know, seeming like like the personal uh, ring announcer for Abilene Maverick. (laughs) I mean, that might have been a one-time thing. And, I, and, and let me be clear, he didn't actually ring announce. He just told the people to be quiet while she talked. So I don't know if he was being a heel or babyface there. He does not need to be in all of those positions. He, it would be better if he, if he just were the general manager. Everybody knows that he is in charge of that place. So just be that. And if he's going to be in commentary and a general manager, then... Tell them to knock off the engagement with him until it's a point where it's necessary. When he had, he would maintain more authority if he got up and said these things when there was something that needed to be said. But clearly he doesn't do that. He doesn't engage in any authority until, I don't want to say until it's necessary, but until it's convenient. Now, that's probably a better way to put it because it, it happened at the end of the show. It was a, a matter of convenience. There is such a thing as getting heat on the promotion. And we'll talk about that as we move on. So anyhow, they're yelling at Dave McClain again, as all heels do. And they basically complained about the match with the mother truckers. Like, why do we have to have this match? And then, of course, they're going to have the match. The next segment is the first match of the show. For my money, probably the best match of the night. Adriana Gambino versus Princess Ozzy. This is the battle to see whether, not Ozzy, uh, Gambino will remain undefeated. So I will give credit where it's due. They told the story, well, they allowed that story to breathe to some degree. Now, Adriana Gambino walks into this thing 7-0, and ever since returning to WoW, she's been undefeated. Uh, 
which I like that. It did give some level of, okay, there's something here without it having to be a championship, and she could continue on. This is the first time that I've seen um, Wow's undefeated streak actually begin to be an undefeated streak. Beforehand, it was just, if you had two matches, hey, just look at that undefeated streak of hers. <laughs> Here, it actually feels like it means something. So I think that's that's worth something right there. I don't understand why they insist on putting former WOW world champion in big bold letters under Princess Ozzy's name. It's like this constant reminder that she lost the championship. It's one thing for the commentators to say it because they can phrase it and frame it a different way. Here comes Princess Ozzy, you know, <laughs> who it unfortunately got cheated out of the wild championship or whatever the case may be, you know, something just, it doesn't need to be in big, bold, pink letters that she's a former wild champion. This is, that is not her title to carry that I am a former wild world's champion. She can say it like I, you know, I had the wild championship and I intend on getting it back. The commentators, like I said, they can say it because they can frame it a certain way, but just to look at it, it just comes off as weird. I'm like, who does that? I mean, now if you're going to list off her accomplishments, that's one thing, but then it that shows up, and then it's almost immediately a, a, a parade of, well, she felt like she didn't get this, and she didn't get the praise, and she didn't get the balloons and the confetti, and the, yeah, and like we're leading into that, but then at the same time, but the fans really follow her. Like it's in my world is somewhat conflicting. Either she's going to complain about a thing or not. <laughs> like, well, why would the fans care that she got confetti or not? What, what difference does it make to them? Anyhow, she's. The babyface, and they are playing her up as being the babyface. Like, oh, the fans love Princess Ozzy. And, and she comes out and she does the oi, oi, oi chant once she gets into the ring. The match is pretty uh, solid, I think. I've already told people that I really like Adriana Gambino. She looks like a star, but I, in fairness to Ozzy, she does as well. These two seem to work well together. Um, like I said, best match for my money of the evening. It had more uh, competitive nature to it and, you know, less flaw. And it also had something, you know, attached. Like it wasn't just a cold match because of Adriana Gambino. Her walking into this thing undefeated took it away from being a cold match, whereas normally it would have been. And they were able to do that without the benefit of having any sort of championship or any sort of stipulation or anything like that. It was it was basic and it worked. So when we get down to the end, and the match in and of itself, by and large, was a fair match. It was an exchange of holes. It they didn't go 
bringing out steel chairs or track. Well, I they very rarely do steel chairs on the show at all. But you you understand what I'm saying? That there was not a lot of uh, gimmicks that was applied here. It was just it was just a match, and it was just a match between what I would consider two pros. So we got down to the end of the match. Um. Oh yeah, I forgot one other thing because Dave McClain did this before. He did it with uh, who was that? Uh, Penelope Pink. For some reason, he brought up. Gambino being ill like earlier. I don't I don't know if I've ever heard him do that for the babyface at all. It's like the second time he's done it for the heel. With Penelope Pink is like, oh, she had a 104 degree temperature and she fought back. That's the kind of champion she is. It just seemed weird to me that our announcer, theoretically babyface, would lean into the uh, heel defense mode because all that does is that provides an out if the heel loses and here again she's like oh um she almost couldn't do it she i forget what he said that she she wasn't sick it was it was something else of that nature and i, I should have wrote it down <clears throat> but it was something to the nature she almost couldn't make this match and then here she is fans you know like she fought through and she came and Against all odds, she won. You know, so I don't know where he's going with that. Is, is David McClain supposed to be leaning heel now, or what? Or what? So it's just a weird vibe to give an, another out, another potential out to a heel. But in any case, at the end of the match, we got Gambino hoisted up on the shoulders of. Princess Ozzy, assumably getting ready to do something like a maybe a TKO or whatever the case may be. Uh, Gambino gives her a quick elbow to the jaw, which is, loosens up the grip. Gambino comes down. She rolls her up. And the one and only time that she cheated in the match, she grabbed the tights and scored the three count. And her undefeated streak continues. I... Yeah, I mean, there's not really much else that I can say there other than I enjoyed this. It was a nice match. It didn't it didn't discredit either one of them to me. You got Gambino who was able to hang with Ozzy, who let's just play it in for what Wild likes to position her as. She's positioned as a main event top babyface. And this is the biggest competitor that Adriana Gambino has had since coming back. So it didn't hurt necessarily Princess Ozzy. She lost, but she had to lose because she was cheated. She got the tights pulled. And it didn't hurt, uh, or it certainly helped Gambino. But it didn't hurt her because she wasn't outperformed. She wasn't out-wrestled. She wasn't outdone. You know, throughout the course of the match, she was able to hang with her hole for hold and move for move up until the end where I got to do something to to uh, win this match and I got to do it now. And that's what she did. So good stuff. And that may be the, you know, the best thing that was uh, going on with with this match. I don't know what is the deal with Ozzy and and. uh 
Candy Crush because they didn't really address that, although Crush shows up later on in the show. So we can only assume that in the next two, three, four, five weeks, they'll come back around to it. Next segment, Rebel Hayes is playing guitar in the hallway for reasons. And then Fury walks up. And then she's like, no, no, keep on playing. And then she starts headbanging a little bit. And then she's like, all right, okay, stop. We got to go. So <laughs> the segment cuts as they go to the ring. There's no real point to this. It's just filler. I, yeah, that's it. It's just filler. Didn't mean anything. Didn't do anything. Didn't forward anything. Just It's just filler. But, but this is the beginning of everything that I just said. This is Heavy Metal Sisters 2.0, and you knew that this was coming. So now, Rebel Hayes and Fury, the Sisters 2.0, are against Team IQ Superior, the Disciplinarian and Classmaster. First, I'm going to just start with saying this was a surprising uh, match for me. I mean legitimately surprising because I never expected what I got. So they solved the match. Uh, McLean tries to explain the implosion of Team IQ Superior, which which is such a stupid story. I don't know why this would even happen. So let's just recap briefly. Team IQ Superior has a match. Classmaster Cooks, G.I. Jane. The two of them, not anybody else, but the two of them, have words in the hallway. And then G.I. Jane says something to the effect of, you know, I'll show you who's the leader of the pack or who's the number two, which is ridiculous. But she wants to prove that she's the best amongst their own group. Now, keep in mind, like I said, just two of them in the hallway. So the next time we see them again, we got Samantha Smart standing in the ring saying, I have a, you know, alphas on my team, and they want to find out who's the leader of the pack, so I got this leader of the pack match, and we're going to have all the three of them wrestle off against each other. So a confrontation that did not have anything to do with her directly or the disciplinarian they've both been invited into, and now it's become Samantha Smart's idea to let her own team members because – one of them has some problems with each other. We'll just make all three of you fight to see who's going to be the number two. But even though that you win the number two, I'm going to endorse my girls attacking you immediately afterwards. That's just silly. It's absurd. And it does not reflect well on Samantha Smart as being smart. So... They have this, and we've got the new version of Team IQ Superior. The Heavy Metal Sisters enter the ring, and of course, you know, all the rock puns start coming out through the commentating team. Uh, this was okay, even though the hot tag that Rebel Hayes gave, because she took the bulk of the heat of the match, where they're just beating up on her. Even though that happened, the, the the hot tag or what should have been the hot tag was a little flat. 
She makes it out to Fury, and this this is the important part of the match because the match in and of itself really didn't mean all that much. So she gets over to uh, tag Fury following a super kick to the disciplinary, which she just kind of backs up and tags off to the class master. Now, this is the first time that I've seen the class master look worth anything. And I was so happy. It's a little too late for me, but I was so happy that they actually finally did something with this young lady who towers over 90% of that roster. Like, how is she not the bruiser of the of the show? So, she gets tagged in as Fury gets tagged in, and Fury, you know, does the number. She, I clothesline you once, you don't go down. I clothesline you again, she doesn't go down. I get a running start, a clothesline you, bam, I'm able to take you off your feet. These are the type of things that should have been happening at the get-go, but we won't worry about that now. What's done is done. So she gives the class master down. She pops her with a knee. She you know, gives her a nice backhand across the side of the head, or at least the, that's what we're supposed to believe because it looked like it grazed the top of it. Class master is able to get out. Still don't like that name, but we'll carry on. Uh, the Fury tags Rebel Hayes back in, assumably to get ready to do some tandem maneuver because she has her in the corner. She being Fury has the class master in the corner. Rebel Hayes goes out to the center of the ring, and she's waiting. It's like, bring her to me, right? So Fury is trying to whip the class master out of the corner, but she is hooking the ropes, and she's showing some actual dominance here, some strength. And then she lets go of the ropes, and she whips Fury around and tosses her into her own partner and then picks Fury up and proceeds to throw her into the corner. And for that two seconds that I saw that, I was like, this is great. She finally has done something. It's about time. It is about time that she's done something. And I don't think that's going to last, you know, worth anything, but it was about time to see her do something. She gets that in where she basically took care of both of them. Tags off to the disciplinarian. The disciplinarian catches Rebel Hayes in a TKO. Meanwhile, Samantha Smart has the yardstick around the throat of Fury so she can't get up and go tag. So even though the cheating was at a minimum, I mean, I can't even say at a minimum. The, uh, the team in and of itself didn't cheat. Samantha Smart did by, you know, holding Fury back or keeping her down. But the team in and of itself pretty much won clean. And I was I was actually very surprised and pleased with that. But it also goes back to I don't know where they're doing with Fury because she's just taking loss after loss after loss after loss. And as soon as Rebel Hayes got a win and she tags up with her, she went right back down into loss. So not a good start for Heavy Metal Sisters 2.0. After the match, Samantha Smart cuts the promo, saying she's the only leader of the pack, which negates the entire purpose of the match that they had a week ago. <laughs> like, if she was the only leader of the pack, then why create the match to begin with? 
Again, stupid. It was dumb. It wasn't thought out. And either it wasn't written well, thought out, or she fumbled over whatever she was supposed to say. Or they didn't care. But no, that negated everything that they was in the ring for in the first place. So, and as this is going on, and Fury is carrying her partner out, she didn't even have the sense of mind to be hurt and stay hurt. Instead, as she's being carted out, she's doing the same thing that she did when she ran up the steps like she was a nut when Fury gave her the uh, the, the guitar pick. She's just giving like the rock on sign and, and shaking her head as she's being taken out of there. Well, that really sells uh, being hurt now, doesn't it? I mean, I'm sure she was partially that way because they had her carried and limped, limping away. But no, I was like, if, if that were me and I saw that, I was like, don't be doing that. Just, just let her take you out of the ring. You don't be giving up no signs. Like a, nothing that's going to discredit what she just did to you. You're hurt. You're not supposed to be giving a rock on sign and shaking and and still headbanging after you just took a TKO in the ring, which is a direct hit on your neck. So why are you headbanging out here? Anyhow, that 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 just that little thing right there. That's why I say it's the small things. It's the small things. But that little thing right there just irked me. Like, why are you doing this? Stop it. But this was the right ending. This is the, the way that this should have been done. Uh, whoever IQ Superior was in the ring with, they needed to win if they were going to continue on with some kind of ongoing feud with G.I. Jane, which they kicked off because Jane comes charging down to the ring with a chair. Samantha Smart didn't seem to be moving all that fast. I mean, because if Jane had chose to speed up she could have easily nailed her but but she seemed like she just kind of slowed her process down once she got into the ring as samantha smart casually goes through the ropes so this is where we begin with the now feud of the disciplinarian or i should say team iq superior and gi jane where this will end up who knows I assume that Jane will have to go through them one by one until she gets Samantha Smart, assumably. But we never know when it relates to WoW. Sometimes they'll just do some stuff. The next segment, Tiki Tomorrow taking on Gloria Glitter. Now, this is where I I question what took place or what was supposed to have taken place on WoW. When I read the press release for this episode, it said that, you know, we're going to get the mystery of Tiki Tomorrow solved. 
And in that podcast, I was like, what mystery? What are they talking about? I, what, what is it that's happened that we're not aware of uh, or we weren't privy to because it didn't air on TV? And I understand. I mean, I, I, I get it. It's all taped in advance. So there's very little that they can do to fix or correct it or whatever the case may be, especially as it relates to commentary. But what mystery? I mean, I really want to know. Like, what was supposed to this? What was supposed to have happened here that she would need to have something solved? For those that don't know, I'll read the last line of that press release. Uh, okay. Kendra Spears, Fear, and Rebel Hayes take on the disciplinary and the class master, and the mystery of Tiki Tomorrow is finally solved as she faces Gloria Glitter in singles action. I was like, what What mystery? Some people said that she was supposed to be kidnapped or something like that. I was like, well, you know, we never saw that. Now, of course, <clears throat> that could have, and I'm only speculating with this, that could have been the plot line of last call. Like we kidnapped Tiki tomorrow. Give us a title shot or we'll kill her. I don't know. I doubt that it would do anything that ridiculous. Or you'll never see her again. They would probably phrase it like that. Um, That's the only guess I have. That is, that is the only guess I have that they would kidnap this woman in order to try to secure a championship match. But, We've not seen anything that related that. We didn't even see that then. You know, when they did have the match for the last call. Even if it was an edited match, we didn't, there was nothing that really hinted towards that. Whereas this match, it was kind of all over it. It was vague, but it was all over it. It was like, oh, we're glad to see her back. Like, I don't know what's been going on, but it's wonderful to have Tiki back again. But the mystery that I was talking about was not addressed. Whatever was in that press release, it was not addressed. So we had the match. The Tonga Twins come out to support Tiki. This is probably one of the better matches that Tiki's had. They do talk about her rugby background. I think that was probably brought up specifically because she utilized the pounce while she was in there against um, the Gloria Glitter. Glitter is very good. And I will maintain, and I stand by that because, you know, she as Delala Doom, she's done this for a while, and she's she's very good at what she does. Uh, this was a fair and clean win for Tiki. Despite the fact that the Tonga Twins came out somewhere during the course of the match, they pretty much just stood there and watched her have the match, and they rooted her on from the sidelines. It is somewhat funny to me, though, and I know this is not something that they're ever going to play into again, but it's somewhat funny to me that, that twice you've had two champions who couldn't give their friend the time of day up until they lost the title. <laughs> I mean, I don't know whether that's, those are people that I should be cheering for or not. Yeah, Princess Ozzy, who didn't have any time for Candy Crush whatsoever, until she lost the belt. And I was supposed to sympathize with her. Like, well, yeah, she's still a fan favorite. Like, seriously? I don't need no friend like that. 
And then the Tonka Twins basically did the same thing. Like when Tiki was running up and, hey, guys, what are you doing? Can I come out there? Let me give you some advice. Here's my thing for good luck. And they just blew her off like two or three times. Tiki, we don't need luck. We got other stuff to do. But now that they lost the belts, hey, Tiki, go. We support you. (laughs) (laughs) Who are the baby faces and the heels here? I don't again. I don't know if I need friends like that. Like you, you're not important until you're important. So anyhow, uh, the match is fine. It is not the best match of Gloria Glitter's career, but it probably certainly is the best match of Tiki's. If that makes sense for you. It's not something I would say go out of your way to watch unless you are a Tiki Tomorrow fan. If you are, then, you know, you would probably enjoy this. And I'm not saying that I dislike Tiki. I actually like Tiki. I think that she's a a, a very likable uh, personality in the wild universe. I don't know what her future within that company is because I don't see her being a, a world's champion. And I certainly don't see any tag team partner that she would win the titles with. Uh, it would be nice if she had some level of, of angle or story that she can kind of dig her teeth into because whatever this was, it, it was a lost cause. I mean, whatever this kidnap angle is, and, and kidnap angles in wild never work out well. I mean, all they do is really show, you, show that their friends don't mean squat. Tiggy may be stronger than I give her credit for, though. I, I just I, I put that note in there because I was somewhat impressed here. There's a spot in the match where Gloria Glitter does uh like a wheelbarrow bulldog. Where she runs in, she turns around, wraps a reverse bite of scissors around Tiki, and then um comes back down with the bulldog, right? <clears throat> but it didn't seem as if it was getting up there all the way initially. And I'll be damned if Tiki didn't power her up to get this to, to get her there, because I don't think I don't think Gloria had anything to do with that. <laughs> like her her legs are off the ground completely, and Tiki just she she got her up there to, to get that bulldog in. Well, I mean it wasn't really a full bulldog, more like a face plant. But the fact of the matter is, is that she did it. So I was like I was genuinely impressed there. But we fast forward to the end of the match. Like I said, the Tonga Twins come out to give her support and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, Tiki does her six, I don't know what they call hers. We, the world knows it as a 619. You know, of course, the move made famous by Rey Mysterio. She gets that out there. She connects with Glitter with a drop kick, and, and Glitter just kind of crawls over to the second rope. Tiki gives the little... The, you know, the island cry, <clears> her <throat> battle cry, I guess you want to call it that. Catches her with the 619, but she misses the Vader bomb. You know, we'll, we'll uh, call it that because I don't know what else I would refer to it as right now. Glitter tries to get in her double hook face buster. Tiki is able to counter it, and then she turns it into what they call a coconut crush or something like that, which is basically a palm strike STO. One, two, three, Tiki wins the match. I was like, yay, Tiki won. 
And the Target Twins, you know, they, they applaud along with the with the fans out there. And this is one of those things, like, I don't know what they're applauding because I didn't see any lead-in for me to feel like this match is anything different than any other match. But Tiki gets on the microphone afterwards, and she cuts a promo. It's, just, it's basic, but at least it was aimed at Gloria Glitter. Uh, you'll have to tune in for that because I don't remember the the, the word for word promo, but it, but essentially, you know, she <clears throat> takes a shot at Glitter. It's like you might be the queen of this, that, and the other, but I'm, I don't know. <laughs> it 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 wasn't that important a promo. I was just happy that it was a promo that was actually aimed at somebody. But it but is is you know it's not like it's going somewhere beyond this. It was just a shot at hey, you know, I beat you, Gloria Glitter, and you know, she had some nice witty line at the end. But it, although witty, it was somewhat forgettable. Um David McLean, while she does it, he decides to do the island yell while he's on commentary. And this has nothing to do with the match, but it was one of those moments where I was like, I really wish that there was a heel commentator right now because he could have leaned into that so much. It, 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 it could have leaned into that so much just to, just to have this knucklehead up here doing the island yell and sounding as ridiculous as he did. Like yeah, a good heel commentator would have been able to just eat that alive. So yeah, um, that was the match, and we move on to the next thing. The next thing is what pushes the angle forward, or not the angle, but potentially the start of a angle or an angle with Gloria Glitter and Candy Crush. So Crush, is, this is the next segment, by the way. So Crush is sitting down in the lobby in her uh, wild jumpsuit. Gloria Glitter comes down the steps, and then she just sits right next to Candy Crush. And they seem to bond over disliking the positive attitude of other wrestlers. Uh, Crush is like, it was one of those days, and you know, asking her a question, and as Glitter says something, she's like, okay, yep, one of those days. And then they start uh, somewhat making fun, well, Glitter specifically. It's like, yeah, if Tiki was out here, she'd be all, you know, she mocks her a little bit, talking about how positive she is, and then, you know, Candy Crush kind of joins in on that. And then she makes reference to the issues that she had with Princess Ozzy without mentioning Princess Ozzy's name. It's like, well, at least she's not, you know, giving you unwanted or unwarranted advice for weeks or, you know, something like that. And they they seem to have, a you know, a, a fit. this might be the best acting job I've seen Candy Crush do. They, they have this, like I said, little, little bonding moment. And then Crush gets up. She's like, you know what? It's essentially, do what we do best. You're the toughest wrestler I've ever been in there with. And, you know, we we need to start just doing what we do. Win. Right? And then they get up and, like, they're, they're motivated. They're, they're getting hyped. They're getting excited. And they pretty much trade uh, 
trademark moves and and lines, whereas Crush holds her finger to her fingers to the pulse of Gloria Glitter. Glitter does it to her, and then then she's like, "Let's go," you know. Candy Crush's would be catchphrase. I don't know if that thing's catching on. It's about as popular as honk honk. But this is a. This is seemingly the beginning of a turn for Crush. Don't know that for certain because I can never tell what's wow. Uh, but I did write down on my notes, like, is this the route to Crush going heel? And then they walk right back the same direction that uh, Glory Good came from in the first place. The turn seems, I don't want to say it's, it's sudden, but it seems to have jumped over maybe a step or two. Like, we've gone from Ozzy blowing her off, the subtle upset feelings of Candy Crush to when she finally gives her the time of day, then she doesn't want to deal with her, and now it's like I'm I'm chilling with the heels. I'm not saying that it's not in the right direction. I just, and maybe it's me. It could just be me. It just feels like there is a step that is missing here, That something that would have facilitated her even wanting to sit down with Gloria Glitter. Like It, it wasn't like she had any problem with her sitting down there. It was, just, it, it was as if they had already been friends. Granted, the scene did play out like, they, like the friendship grew but it just came off like they had already known each other, they'd already piled around, and they already had conversation. Not as if these are two competitors who have learned to respect one another, and then they moved on from there. So, <clears throat> whereas I didn't have a problem with the segment, I actually enjoyed the segment. It just seemed to me as if there was a missing component in Candy Crush's journey to where she is right now. But I will see next week because I do believe Candy Crush is supposed to be up next week. So, you know, we'll see if anything else comes of that. So we go to the next segment. The Mother Truckers doing the idiot Southern thing. This is uh, them talking in the back and, you know, of course, American flag hanging there and the... the, uh, the, the, the laundry line with shirts that they never wear hanging up there. I am developing a problem with whoever their set designer is. Because these sets reek of amateur hour to me. Like they haven't done anything beyond this show. Nor is any thought going into why is this here? Now, I'm sure somebody in the back, probably David McLean, finds this funny. Or, yeah, this is what it's supposed to be. I mean, because they're from the South. They got to hang their clothes on the on the laundry line. And it... how, how long does it take for their clothes to dry? I mean, how, how long does it take? Every week that you see them in this room, it is the same thing. 
They have an American flag hanging in the background for whatever reason because I guess it's their house. And then they have a laundry line of clothes that are never worn. How long does it take? I mean, if they did it one week, I mean, maybe. But it is all the time, every time they're in the segment, it is always the same thing. I I don't even know if this is supposed to be their personal locker room. Why are they decorating the locker room in the first place? Everybody there decorates the locker room as if this is their own personal locker room, which clearly is not. I mean, they wouldn't have all these, like, like 50 lockers in there. So... So I don't I don't get it. I don't understand what this is supposed to be for them. Besides that somebody thought it looks good to illustrate their personality. And I'm almost positive it's something to that degree. If you all American girls, they got curtains in there. The mother truckers got to hang the flag and have laundry. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just... Ridiculous, but anyway, they they go into their their conversation talking about the Fab Four and what they're gonna do, and you know, you you could pretty much fill in the blanks. It it wasn't <clears throat> it wasn't anything to get all excited about, and they're still trying to get that honk honk thing over. Like they they will not let that go. This is honk honk. We got two words for them, so they lean into the old WWE DX line, honk honk. God. <sighs> next segment is a preview for the tri- next week's trios match, which will be a rematch of Team Spirit versus the Brat Pack, which will be the third iteration of the of Team Spirit to go in there. I am fully expecting Team Spirit to go over. The next match is the main event. Penelope Pink and Vicky Lee McCoy with Lana Starr taking on the Mother Truckers. And wouldn't you know that the entirety of the Fabulous Four comes out along with them. So Miami Sweet Heat comes out along with Lana Starr, Penelope Pink, Vicky Lee McCoy. And what do they do? The same thing that they always do. They just go into the commentating booth. So let's stop right there. I do not mind when a wrestler goes into the commentating booth and provides some sort of uh, insight to what's going on. I nor do I mind when it's there as a uh, means to forward an angle. Where it becomes worrisome when they do the things that they're doing here. This angle has been overdone with the mother truckers right now. And the fact that no one came up with a different way to get this executed is disappointing, to say the least. How many times do the mother truckers have to get beaten up? This is what I meant when I said at the beginning of the show, and I I said I was going to get back around to it, and here it is. There is such a thing as getting heat on the promotion. When the promotion doesn't make any effort to stop things that are plain as day and everybody knows is going to happen, then how can I blame the heels anymore? Uh, It's kind of like the adage of you see a crazy person going down the street with a lead pipe just whacking people left and right. 
And on the corner, you see the cops standing there watching them do it. Who are you going to be mad at? I mean, you could be mad at either or, but who are you going to be mad at? You're going to be at the, mad at the nut that's going around hitting people with the pipe? Or are you going to be mad at the cop that's allowing them to do it? David McLean is the cop. And he's allowing them to do this. This is like the third time following a match that the mother truckers have been jumped immediately after the match by the same group of people. Now, the mother truckers also have some burden to bear in that because they should be smarter than this by now. But of course, because they're, you know, they have to play the idiot Southern girls, they don't see that coming. And I want to be clear because I know some people are like, ah, oh, you don't like them. No, I don't like the mother truckers. I like Holly Swag and I like Amazing Maria. I don't like the mother truckers. It's like the difference between the one-man gang and Akeem. Okay? <laughs> or Dusty Rhodes and the NWA and Polka Dot Dusty Rhodes and the WWF. You can like one or the other, even though it's embodied by the same person. And that's what this is like for me. So... We have the match. They're trying to get even with Penelope Bank and Vicky Lynn McCoy because, of course, before they won, they got clobbered in the head with mirrors. I'm not sure how that would knock you out indefinitely, but, you know, it, it happened on WOW because, because WOW. And that was, what, jumping number one? Well, I guess, no, actually, that would be technically number two because the first time they got jumped was back and – I think November, when they were the special enforcers, if you will, that held Lana Starr and Sofia Lopez handcuffed to them in the, uh, in the match between the two heel tag teams, which, of course, the Banditas lost. And then what happened as soon as the Banditas walk out of there and then they take the, the cuffs off, well, then they, they had to get jumped, had to get beat up because, you know, why not? So, the match. The commentators start off explaining Vicky Lynn faking an injury, which, you know, I thought that was somewhat of a nice touch that they addressed that this is taking too long. They said that she's cleared. She's not doing it. Vicky Lynn, I really enjoy. I, I, I like her a lot. She is a really good performer. And a great commentator. I, I, I said it last week. I will probably continue to say it. If she ever gets out of the in-ring stuff, she needs to be on a microphone somewhere. She needs to be a heel announcer for that company. Because she is, is very natural with it. And it is, <clears throat> doesn't sound like she's playing a part. She doesn't sound like she's overproducing herself. She comes off as she should, like the heel. And it's wonderful. Uh, Penelope Pink, I don't want to shortchange her. She's, you know, been excellent in the ring. And, of course, she's had the chance to be the champion there. Uh, whether she would get it back or not, like her colleagues, is, you know, yet to be seen. But everybody in this match pretty much has some level of experience. Not the most experienced here is of course uh Amazing Maria, aka Big Rig Betty. And Swag has been more or less born into this line of work. 
because that is her legitimate daughter. I know some people like, is that really her kid? Yes. Or at least if, if it ain't, they're doing great kayfabe. We'll, we'll put it that way. So uh, they talk about Vicky Lynn faking injury, which does come into play at some point in the match. I thought that was a, a nice touch as well. Uh, of course, uh, Miami Sweet Heat sitting in on commentary, and they're, they're doing the heel commentator shtick. You could see the second that they sat down or all four of them came out, and then they decided to split off and go to the commentating booth five feet away. They, you, you knew where this was going. Like, there's no surprise here. We, we all know where this is headed. Uh, none of this is super-duper important in terms of uh, the match and the payoff of the match. We were, we being the, the wow audience, I'm speaking in general, they were waiting to see some sort of payback, I guess, to the, the persons that cost them their number one contendership. And here it was. We got the normal and standard Mother Truckers match. Holly Swag is in the ring. She takes the bulk of the work. And she takes the bulk of the bumping around and, you know, and all that good stuff. Until Big Rick Betty is tagged in and she comes in and does cleanup. Now, the only thing that was changed here was that she tags back out and swags back in the ring. Swag gets a full Nelson on Penelope Pink. Penelope Pink reverses it, turns her towards Vicky Lynn McCoy. Vicky Lynn charges in, and there's, there's the miscommunication spider. She forearms Pink in the head. And then this is probably the most awkward spot of the match where you could tell Vicky Lynn was trying to find something to, to keep her in motion so she could look not look like an idiot standing around waiting for Big Rig Betty to get back in the ring, but it was only so much that she could do. So she nails her partner. She takes a swipe at uh, Holly Swag, but Swag gets out of the way. But then she's kind of staggering around like, what do I do? You know, you can see that she's clearly trying to get herself in position for uh, Big Rig Betty. This is one of those points that if I'm in an editing bay, it's like, you know what, we may need to take a different shot here because it's only exposing that she's trying to line up to a super kick, which is what she did. She walked over, and then she pretty much puts her chin in front of her so she can, so she can take the super kick. And then we get both of them beaten uh, with the two finishing moves. We got a, a stunner and, and the hitch and ditch, which is full Nelson into a clothesline. Uh, amazingly enough, the former world's champion is beaten clean by Holly Swag, and then Big Rig Betty pins uh, Vicky Lynn McCoy. Both of them are counted down simultaneously. And the mother truckers winning ways continue. I did do a win-loss record on the mother truckers once before, and if I'm not mistaken, they have the win in this record as a team, and wow, even over Miami Sweet Heat, despite the fact that they didn't get it, you know, any title shots or whatever. But I do think that the, the truckers are are the top team win loss wise. Uh, 
as far as Wild was concerned. So they get the win, and immediately after that, wouldn't you know it, and I know you couldn't guess it, but they got jumped. Surprise, they got jumped again. So now they're down, and you get McLean get up on a on the uh, microphone after after the beating, uh, and he's blaming it or not blaming. I should let me rephrase that. He is surprised, not justified, but he's surprised. He repeats what Nigel said. They just came from nowhere. He's like, yeah, they, they, I don't know. they just came out of nowhere and attacked. I had a problem with that line immediately. Like They didn't come from nowhere. They were sitting right next to you. This is what I mean when I say that there is such a thing as having heat on the promotion. They were sitting right next to you. The guy that runs the, the promotion. And he let them just jump up and run out to the ringside and beat up the mother truckers again, like for the third time, without so much as getting on the microphone and say, hey, look, y'all better stop. Or when they sat down in the beginning, if you go out there, you know, you're going to be fined or suspended or whatever. Like no effort in a kayfabe universe was made to prevent this at all. It would have been a simpler thing to do and more justified if they just ran from the back. Then it would have been out of nowhere. But rather than to do that, we got to have them sit at ringside so they can, you know, be right there and haul ass and get to the ring within seconds. But no, this this is this was not executed well. The match is fine, but the mother truckers do not need to get beaten up after every encounter with the Fabulous Four. (laughs) Every encounter with the Fabulous Four does not need to lead to them getting jumped. How stupid do you want to make them come off to be? I mean, it's bad enough that the promotion is not trying to protect them, but it's like they can't see it coming either. I... I understand the babyface has to, you know, take the hits every once in a while to facilitate the next thing that we can go into the angle for. But at at some point, you got to learn the lesson, or at least attempt to learn the lesson. And it 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 just didn't seem like they were doing that at all. So you got the, the Carlson twins come out there and attack both of them and they beat them up and you know they, they send them down to the mat and Dave McClain is hollering and screaming, get the referees out here, get them out, you know. He not not very preventative, but but I guess late is better than never, I suppose. So the refs come out, they break this horrendous beat down up. They all leave, they being the Fabulous Four. And then Dave McClain gets on the microphone, I guess, to try to make things right. I think that we need to give the the mother truckers a title shot. All right. Now, they probably should have had a title shot preceding that, but okay, they, they deserve a title match. 
why Miami Sweet Heat got a title match in the first place, I I don't know because you know they even though they won, he said that he was going to take away that opportunity, which only lasted for like two weeks. So that goes a long way in uh, showing his authority and how much it means. But the Mel Truckers get up, and it seems as if they have a title match due to them. So I'm assuming, again, this is just my assumption because I have not read anything differently. But I'm assuming that they are going to get the match against Miami Sweet Heat, and quite possibly they will walk out as the tag team champions, making Sweet Heat uh, transitional champions. That would probably be the best thing for them. The Heat do not need to be champions again right now. They're, they're, they're not that over to where they need to be multiple-time tag team champions. So it, at least get them through something else before we get back to this because I'm I'm sure as long as WoW exists, they're probably going to put those titles right back on them after they lose, you know, eventually. But that was it. That was the entirety of WoW. I mean, outside of match one, I think this was just a uh, – I don't even know if I would list it as a maintenance show. It didn't really maintain – Angles and maintain the streak of Adriana Gambino. That was the one thing that was maintained here. It forwarded whatever the mother truckers are doing. It ended an angle that we didn't even see with Tiki tomorrow. And it kicked off an angle or I guess the next step of an angle with uh, Team IQ Superior and their feud with G.I. Jane. But nothing overall was so spectacular that I would you know, tell somebody, hey, you need to go watch this. And oftentimes that's kind of what I build it on when I was like, you know, when I look at the shows, would I suggest this to you? Would I say, hey, you know, this is something that you need to wear. You need to go check this out. I don't know if there's anything I would say to check this out. The closest I would get is Adriana Gambino versus Princess Ozzy. That is the closest. That is the closest I would say, hey, you might enjoy this. Not that the rest are bad. I just don't think that they were so so intense or epic or such a banger match that I was like, oh, man, look, this, this is the one you have to check this one out because it's, it's outstanding. I, I just I don't see that. The Gambino-Ozzy match, yes. Not outstanding, but, but still worth a watch. If I were going to give one following that, ooh, maybe the tag team match, I mean the second one, uh, IQ Superior versus Heavy Metal Sisters 2.0. And that's only before the ending. Like the match itself, I'm not really, you know, saying, hey, it's all great top to bottom. It's fine. But the ending makes the match. The finish makes that match. Tomorrow, is, is, it was fine. And it looks like the crowd was happy to see her, uh, uh, quote, unquote, return. 
But since I have no idea what they're talking about or what this return was from or anything like that, then it means nothing to me. It was just a match. It was just a cold match that didn't have any sort of value other than the fact that tomorrow won. Um, Glitter and Crush. That segment, I it, it did stoke my interest, I will admit. Just seeing them backstage, like, okay, where is this going to go? Are they going to be a tag team now? Are they just going to have some sort of loose-knit union? What are, where are we going with that? Uh, so I am interested. I, my interest is peaked as it relates to that. The Mother Truckers... I, I am really trying to enjoy them the way that I would if they were in their alter egos. But, and that may be part of the problem with me, quite honestly. And I can admit that. It, that may be part of the issue is that I see them in a different light as Amazing Maria and Holly Swag. Here... They seem like the polar opposite of that. They they seem like a caricature of what they might be in OVW. It's like this is this is the PG, well, maybe even the G version, the G cartoon version of Amazing Maria and Holly Swag, or Hollywood. Sorry, I've been saying Holly Swag. Holly Swag is who she is on the show, on the Wild Show. Hollywood is who she is on OVW and everywhere else. So when I'm looking at that and I see it, I was like, yeah, that, that probably plays a lot into why I don't really have a lot for the mother truckers. Because elsewhere they come off as more serious. Elsewhere they had a stronger match. Elsewhere they pretty much have, you know beat each other, the, the two of them beat each other after death. <clears throat> And they had a more emotional match. Having Amazing Maria, the mom, get in the ring with her daughter because her daughter's out of control and she can't be, you know, reined in and, you know, she's begging the promotion, please don't don't press charges against her. Just if you need to just, put, you know, book a match, I, I'll, I'll take care of it. And if you haven't seen that match, you should probably go track it down. You should go look at it. Amazing Maria versus Hollywood J. To see the difference and how they work elsewhere, particularly OVW, opposed to how they work in WoW. And th- that would probably answer a lot of the question as to well, why you get the, the mother truckers such a hard time. Because of that. The mother truckers, to me, are a pale version of what they are outside of that company. The segments that they do just make it, you know, ridiculous and worse. The only, I mean, I, and I was surprised myself, and I still can't explain it. That little bathroom segment that they did, which is, which I fully admit, it was stupid. But I didn't have a problem with it for for whatever reasons, and I and I honestly don't know. But for whatever reasons, I didn't have a problem with it. I was like, you know what, it's fine. <laughs> that this is just who they are on this show. It's fine. But the, you know, the backstage segments, the how they're treated, the, the, the having a truck stolen, being arrested, not being smart enough to know that Sofia Lopez would want a favor 
they're being jumped every chance that they get you know having a larger line in the in the backstage like they don't know how to use a washing machine or a dryer all of that leads me to like the mother truckers are just two dimwits who happen to be in the company who didn't even sign up to go to the company they told some people in there and then they hopped the rail and then they got a job so yeah it's all of the stuff that they they did with the mother truckers up until this point has just been ridiculous and I don't think it's going to get any better. The only thing that I feel like they could possibly do for the mother truckers at this point, and it won't be rehabilitating, but I will pull for them to get this because I'm sure it's part of the reason that Maria came out of retirement because she had retired before this. Not only to team with her daughter, but to win the championships with her daughter. I think that is... The, maybe the sole purpose that she's in WoW as it is right now to be able to tag up and you know team with her child which probably means a lot and to be able to win a tag team championships championships with them but I will say this and I hope that WoW does it somehow I doubt that they will but I hope that they do when it comes to the mother truckers getting their title shot against Miami Sweet Heat, I hope that they are able and capable of giving that match some kind of build to where there's interest in people seeing them pull it off. I think that that would be a big selling point for them. Like the mother and daughter winning the tag team championships on our show and i mean they probably need more time but at least give it a good two weeks a good two weeks of strong promotion they are going after the titles they're looking to make history to be the first mode i don't know if they're the first but let's just say the first mode and daughter combination in wrestling history if not wrestling history certainly in wow and i think that would be a big thing for them but I also have little faith that they will do that. Time will tell. That was the review of the episode, folks. Um, it is a C episode. Not good, not bad. Well, I should, you know, it's not great and not terrible. It's good. <laughs> That's how I should say it. <clears throat> but that, that was it from top to bottom. I appreciate you tuning in. And listening to the program now for the preview before we get out if you are not wanting to hear any of this this is the point where you can uh, skip towards the end end but if you want to know what's coming up next for the the, uh, the next episode of wow well here it is it'll be episode 225 and we're gonna see the return of the all-american girls in fact that is the name of the episode the all-american girls so just on that alone, I'm expecting them to win. So anyway, <laughs> let me skip the commentary and just read the press release. Jesse Jones and Amber O'Neill have a new look, but it's make or break for the All-American girls as they challenge the Ritz and Glam. What the what? I'm sorry. When did they call themselves the Ritz and Glam? I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume that this is a typo. But they challenged them in the main event. The newest iteration of Team Spirit attempts to stay in the Trios tournament 
in a match against the Brat Pack that will determine who moves forward to the finals. I'm going to say Team Spirit. The Beast declares her intentions for her match next week against Wild Champion Abilene Maverick. Also in action, Goldie Collins takes on Holiday while Ice Cold faces Candy Crush. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that because I still see Candy Crush taking on another heel. Whereas she still, I guess officially is still a babyface, even though she's leaning heel. But she's taking on the heel now, so I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they'll make the transition during the match. I don't know. Uh, looks like we might be in line of another Abilene Maverick versus the Beast match. Go to Collins versus Holiday. Don't care. Uh, Team Spirit, just because Exile is already in the finals, I'm going to assume that Team Spirit is going to go over. And the All-American Girls challenged Glitz and Glam. <laughs> Grits and Glam. Uh, and that's probably what they did. They probably just forgot the G on this. <laughs> so it came the Ritz and Glam. That didn't make any sense. But uh, Grits and Glam have beaten the All-American Girls at every turn. I would assume that this would be the match that they get even. But we will see in a matter of days. As of this recording, it's probably like two or three days out. So, folks, this will be the close. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs, the Pro Wrestling Podcast. If you have not... Please subscribe and like the videos. It also helps the algorithm. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform, we are available at Creative Podcast Platforms. If you can't find it where you're looking, go to WPNWrestling.com. That's WPNWrestling.com. All the podcast episodes go there. Of course, that is also along and coincides with a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week stream of wrestling content that was accumulated by me and the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. And of course, whatever supports that you may have for the show, whether that be liking the video, suggesting the video, sharing it, <clears throat> uh, donate, purchase the t-shirts, uh, whatever, I owe you a big thank you. Or even the people that, and I said this before, the ones that have called in for those commercials, and I appreciate that definitely, because it helps. Uh, but the ones that have called in over any sort of commercial that's on the uh, on the stream, yes, thank you for those. And uh, if you want to continue doing that, feel free. And in closing, and as always, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go-round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.